If your job is on life support, you need the job doctor. My brain is a walking database of thousands of case studies on how careers rise and fall. I'll help you diagnose what's really going on. It's the guidance you need to get back on track from someone who's been there. You can make the money you always wanted to make, doing the type of work you have always wanted to do. You may just need a little help from the job doctor. Welcome everybody to our podcast, The Job Doctor is in today. Today we are going to talk a lot about pay. It seems to be on everybody's mind. And, you know, who doesn't want to talk about money? So let's get our first caller going. Carrie, tell me uh, just a little bit about yourself. Hi, uh, I'm Carrie. I'm uh, in my early 30s. I'm a CPA. I've only been a CPA for two years, but I have three years as a financial controller. Um, I'm currently a student uh, at UNCC for a doctorate in business, and I want to talk to you about pay. Oh my gosh, you're just perfect. Um, I could use you as a CPA, by the way. I need one. <laughs> so, so tell me, what's on your mind about pay today? Let's get right into it. I feel like an industry standard, there is um, kind of a push to go to salary and I don't have time to do additional hours and I don't want to be kind of like twisted to do the additional hours um, because I, I do have other commitments. I'm a mom and I'm going to school um, and it's not only just the hours, it's if I am kind of shoved into that direction, how do I make it the most beneficial for me? Oh, interesting. Salary versus hourly. Let me just for listeners who may not know, a company can pay anybody, including the CEO, hourly. That's legal. But you can't pay anybody you want salary. There's certain requirements the government has around who can be in a salaried position. Salary position means you pay the same amount, whether you show up for 50 hours a week or 30 hours a week, you're paid to do the job. And typically with salary, the downsides are you know, you usually work more hours than 40. So your hourly pay goes down. The advantage to hourly pay is if you work extra, you're paid extra. But the downside to hourly is that if you, let's say you have a doctor's appointment and you have to leave, if you're on salary, who cares? You're paid the same amount. So you don't have to deduct that from your pay, but you do if you're hourly. So that's just for listeners. So let's talk about why why do you want to be on salary so much? Is it just a, is it a status thing for you? No, I want to stay hourly. Oh, you want to stay hourly and they want to move you to salary? Um, I was hearing a few hints about yeah. it. Um, so yeah, I feel like, um, so typically for CPAs, our like next, you know, kind of raise period is December for the following tax year. Got so it. I feel like seed and I, I just, I know it's coming. Well, if I had the choice, I mean, for those of us who are on salary, you know, when you're a young career professional, you're like, oh, I want to be on salary. That sounds so important. It sounds like I'm really, like I've made it. But honestly, if I could take hourly, I'd take it all day long because as your career moves up, your hours move up a lot. So my guess is a company will typically move somebody to salary if they think they're going to need you more than 40 hours a week on a pretty regular basis. That's probably what's going on. However, I think in today's world where you're taking mental health days or, or we're much more tolerant about taking sick days or time off or needing some flexibility, I don't think it's a lose for you. I don't think it's a lose for you. You may get a little bit less hourly if they start trying to work you pretty hard, but 
I don't know, you're going to have more flexibility as well. And that's kind of a nice thing to have. So I don't know that it's a really big deal as long as you don't find yourself working like on a regular basis, you know, 45, 50 hours a week, in which case that would really stink. Well, I just don't want to sacrifice my other goals. So my um, school program is very demanding and Mm -hmm. it's just that I don't want um, make the company feel like they've been put in a bad position by putting me on salary. And then I can't turn around and do the hours either. Sure. Sure. Well, companies think about this pretty hard before they do it. So if they want to put you on salary, they know the downside that comes with it. They really do. They know that if you need a little flexibility that day, you get it and they have to pay you the same amount. And really, I think balance is more around you, you creating it than your company. I'm a big believer that you create those boundaries. So I think you're, I still think you're safe. If you make sure when they have that conversation with you and say, look, I just want you to know if we're going to salary, I have to be pretty firm on my hours because of my education program I'm in. I uh, just want to make sure you're aware of that. I think you'll be okay. I really do. Well, great. Thank you so much. Uh, what else do you have on your list today? Because I, I understand you've got several pay questions. So my other question was really around like the phenomenon of talking to management, getting a raise, and then having like the tension in the air, like a night feedback, even though they're the ones that agreed to the raise. Oh, yeah. Okay. I have to sidetrack for a minute and tell you this story. The first big raise I asked for, I worked for an eye doctor in this office and I worked with like three or four other women. I don't know why I thought I needed to do it, but I asked for a raise and nobody else, of course, was getting a raise. And he said, yes, because what's he going to say? I mean, I just confronted him and awkward moment. And he said, okay, they were so mad at me at that office. I still remember everybody penalized me for having this raise. Like, why should you get a raise and the rest of us don't? So I get it. I think it's one of those things, you know, I notice with clients, they tend to want to make the company feel better all the time. Whether it's when they leave and they want to make them feel better when they leave or if they turn down a job offer or if they need time off, very apologetic. It is just part of business. And so part of your job is developing thick skin around it. That's what I would say is is basically people have to get over it. So it's going to be awkward possibly for a little while, but it will not be awkward after a couple of weeks. So if you ask for a raise and successfully got it, kudos to you because that's what you should do. You need to be your best advocate for getting money and not wait for the company. They're never going to be your best advocate. And then enjoy the fruits of it and let it go. Let it go like frozen. The other thing is, let me just tell you the value of $5,000. You're young-ish, I can tell by your voice. And the value of $5,000 over the course of lifetime earnings, just because it's, it compounds like compound interest, right? You, you make money. It's over, it's like over $500,000 for you in lifetime earnings by just getting one $5,000 increase early in your career. And if you actually take that money and then kind of save it or invest it, it's millions. It's, it's like $2 million in lifetime earnings. So it's no small potatoes for you to get a raise. And we shouldn't treat it lightly because 5000 is not $5,000. I've never thought of it like that. That's, in, that's very interesting. Yeah, we don't care about it now, right? It's $5,000. It's, you know, it's enough to help pay bills. But think about at the end of your career, wouldn't you love somebody to say, hey, here's an extra half a million dollars. That would be awesome. And that's essentially what you just did for yourself. 
Well, great. Um, that was it for the questions that I had sent in, but I do have an additional question of if you know about hourly um, billable rates, mm-hmm. what do you think an employee should get out of that? If you're billing your clients at 150, should you get 75? What What's your take on that? Oh, well, most companies don't share what they get. So if you know in your company, you're lucky, you're one of the lucky ones and it really varies because a company is going to, here's principle number one, a company will take as much as it can. That's what they're wired to do because they're wired to make a profit, right? Just like you're wired to get as much as you can for the hours you put in. So they probably take a pretty hefty piece of what you're making. I don't think the right question is necessarily what they're making off of you, but I think the question is, are you being paid fairly for the skill set you bring? And that's something that you should always, always keep an eye on. The profit margins in a company like a, a, you know, a big consulting firm, they have some pretty specific profit margins that they're going after. And yours sounds like, is it more of a mid-sized company? Very small. There's, I'm the only employee. Like, okay. right, there's one more. <laughs> okay. If it's a small, co- okay, here's the good news. Small companies, you get to negotiate more because right. you have more leverage. Leverage is really important to understand. Leverage is when you have something the company needs and you have something they need you because you're the only one. And so when you have more leverage and they don't have this big backup of people that they can draw on and when you're performing and business is reliant upon you being there, you have so much more leverage than you would in a company where they've got, you know, 200 people and they can just have Joe do, you know, 5% more and Jane do another 5% more of the work if you walk away. So you have leverage. It's a great thing. Uh, If it makes you uncomfortable and you're aware of those profit margins, maybe that's the next raise you ask for. Maybe it's around profit margin and around, like a company would love an argument to say, if I can make you money, can I have a little piece of the action? That would be a really interesting model for a small company to say, I'm really motivated to work harder for you, take on more clients, blah, 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 if I can get a piece of the action. So maybe... Next time you ask for a raise, you ask for a bonus based on productivity or uh, revenue that's brought in for the clients that you serve. Because if you can get more work out the door, the company loves to give you a piece of that. That's how board of directors do it. They actually pay their executives by saying they do if-then proposals. If the executive does this that benefits the company, then they get a piece of that. And it's usually a really rich package. Because they're only getting, but they're only getting a a fraction of how big the gain is. So for an executive, if they're driving up the stock price, boards will say all day long, you bet I'll pay you a lot of money to fix that. And for you, if you're the one driving revenue, another big leverage point. So just think about it. You don't want to ask for another raise right on the heels of getting one, but that would be my next play. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for meeting with me. Oh my gosh. It's such a pleasure to meet you. And, you know, I really appreciate the questions that you asked about pay. I think... If you don't mind, I just, I'll spend just a minute before you go talking about, you know, you represent every person because everybody out there is saying, I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be greedy, but I also want to be paid fairly for what I do. And that's the crux of every one of your questions, whether it's salary, hourly, uh, you know, the raise that you got, am I, am I getting enough of the piece of the pie for the company? And so I, I really applaud you for doing the right things. I applaud you for taking the courage to ask the question about pay. Isn't it scary? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And I find a lot of people will ask, go to the courage of putting together the argument for pay 
and then they make it and they don't follow up with their boss. They're like, whoa, I'm glad I got that over with. And then they never follow up. And the boss usually isn't going to come back with them and actually bring it up again in many cases. And so whatever you did, you did right because you got it. You got the raise and you're at a company where you have a lot of leverage. So I predict wild success for you. And I would just say, check in with us again. Check in with us again in about six months. Tell us how it's going. And um, I would start to put in place the strategy to get your next raise in about, start thinking about it in about four months. Start tracking the metrics about revenue that you're bringing in. Start tracking productivity uplift or how much more business you're bringing in or doing or how much money you're saving for your clients. Because that's the thing nobody does in their raise request is they, they say, I, I'm working hard, therefore I deserve a raise. But if you come into it with metrics of how you've moved the needle, 10 times more powerful. So start tracking it in advance so that when it's time, you've got it at a snap and you can give them those numbers and it'll increase your odds of getting what you ask tenfold. I will absolutely do that. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure to have you. Have a great rest of your week and good luck with all things pay. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Carrie. If you like my podcast, you will absolutely love my book. It's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success, Navigating Pay, Promotions, and Power at Work. I wrote it because I could see that people didn't understand why some people got ahead and some people's career stayed stagnant. So if you're interested in building a more frictionless career path for yourself and having a better experience with work, this is a book that you need to have. It's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success. You can buy it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or go to my website at thejobdoctor.com.